It's time to get ready for a fight. We have an enemy, and he's at large. He's clever, intelligent, deceptive, and strong. And as Peter put it, he's walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Today on Through the Bible, our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, tells us about this enemy as we study Ephesians chapter 6. I'm Steve Schwetz, and while you find your seat on the Bible bus, let's read a few letters from our mailbag. First is an email from Quincy in St. Louis, Missouri. When I listen to Dr. J. Vernon McGee, I equate it with water and how I need it, the Word of God every day. When I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer back in 2010, it was my sister who told me to turn the radio on and listen to Dr. McGee, and I have been ever since. Thank you so much for all that you do to bring the Word of God to so many people on a daily basis. Please see that my enclosed donation goes toward an oil change to keep the machinery under the hood well-greased, just as the Holy Spirit keeps us well-oiled in the Word of God. Please keep the Bible bus running. Thanks for your note and for your support, Quincy. It's a joy to have you hop aboard with us. Next, we hear from a listener named Jeanette. I'm so thankful to have learned about Through the Bible. My son's friend, who is a Bible scholar, shared his appreciation for Dr. McGee's Bible commentaries and your website with my son. Very soon after, my son told me of your broadcast and requested the Solar Bible Bus for his birthday. Jeanette continues, His enthusiasm drew me to Dr. McGee's radio broadcast on Bot Radio Network here in Nebraska, and I was hooked. Now each day, we both look forward to hearing that friendly Texan voice sharing his love for Jesus and his deeper insight. Though I've been blessed to have grown up with the Word, it has now become so much more meaningful than ever before. The Bible has truly become exciting. I look forward to exploring your website resources more thoroughly and contributing towards your life-saving work. I'm so impressed that your work is carried on in remote areas where missionaries cannot even go. As I study Esther, I think Dr. McGee might even say it is God's providence that through the Bible's technology should team up in such a time as this. Well, thanks, Jeanette, and we're so glad that you've joined us aboard the Bible Bus. And thank you for your support that really does keep the Bible Bus traveling along in more than 250 languages and dialects all around the world. Oh, and that study of Esther only gets better, so keep going. If you'd like to check out the Solar Bible Bus that Jeanette mentioned or join Quincy and Jeanette in providing an oil change or a new set of tires that help keep the Bible Bus moving along, you can call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE or visit ttb.org. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word is heard by millions of people, and thank you also for the promise that where your word is heard, it accomplishes the purposes for which you sent it. Lord, accomplish your will in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, buckle up, because we're headed to Ephesians 6 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. We've come now to a section of the epistle to the Ephesians that, unfortunately, is not dwelt on enough. Now, I want to say something as kindly and as sweetly as I know how to say it. There is a great deal of discussion and argument and hard feelings that go on in Christian circles today. And a great deal of it is actually among fundamental believers. There are those that do not feel that somebody is as fundamental as they should be, and they talk a great deal about separation and that type of thing and about doctrine. I don't mind stating 
my entire position. I am premillennial, pre-trib, and a dispensationalist. I believe the whole ball of wax, my friend. I believe that. But I get a little weary today, and actually just a little bored today with folk that are so insistent on dispensationalism, so insistent upon premillennialism, so insistent upon separation, and yet their lives are lived in a very careless manner, and it's not commensurate with this exalted and high position that we have. Now, we are seated in the heavenlies. That's wonderful. But my friend, we are walking right down here on this earth, and this thing has to walk in shoe leather. And if it doesn't walk in shoe leather, I don't care how many Keswick conferences you go to, or Bible conferences, or Bible classes that you attend. But if this thing does not get down into your life, where you are living the Christian life, standing for the things of God, and you're doing it sweetly, you don't have to be mean and ugly, state your position, but you don't have to use the bitterness and the vitriol and the hatred that you see exhibited today. That hurts the cause of Christ a great deal. Now, why is it that you see so much of this exalted teaching and so high teaching and such low living. Well, may I say to you that there's some that are fundamental in their head, but they're sure liberal in their feet, that's for sure. And in their total living, they are that. Now, I'm not discrediting Bible conferences or Keswick conferences. I started the Keswick Conference in Southern California myself many years ago. It's been imitated again and again in this particular area. And I'm for it. I'm for Bible conferences. I don't think anyone can say that I'm against these things. They might say it, but they couldn't be honest in saying it. But I'm saying it now because of the fact that there is that danger today of thinking just because we've got a head knowledge of some things, we've learned a vocabulary, and we are able to spout out our position rather lucidly and fluently. And because we can do that, that somehow or another, that's all that's needed, and we can live a very careless Christian life. Now, that is to misunderstand where the battle is going on today. Again, let me say this. I do not think that the devil is working down yonder in the nightclub uh, on Skid Row or that he is down with the underworld or the mafia and all of this group. I think he goes to church on Sunday morning. I think that he's working today on the spiritual front. And too many sleepy Christians seem to be totally unaware of that. There are too many Christians today that are concerned about closing up the cocktail parlor. And don't misunderstand me, it needs to be closed. But there are too many Christians that get involved in trying to close a cocktail parlor, and they need to close a few mouths today in Christian circles 
that are gossiping and talking too much. I say that the devil is working in an area where we least suspect him. And if you want to find him, I'll tell you where you can find him. Don't look for him Saturday night. He's not out on the town. He's gone to bed early so he can get up and go to church Sunday morning. And that's where you're going to find him. That's where the spiritual battle is being fought, where a man is giving out the Word of God, where church is standing for the Word of God. That's the place he wants to destroy, my friend. And that's the man that he wants to destroy. Therefore, that's where the spiritual battle is. Now, I said at the beginning of our study in the book of Ephesians that it was like the book of Joshua, that what Joshua is to the Old Testament, Ephesians is to the New Testament, or turning that around, that Ephesians is the Joshua of the New Testament, and Joshua is the Ephesians of the Old Testament. And I took that at the very beginning, and then probably you thought I forgot the subject, but We're back to it now and see application of it. Now, when the children of Israel came into the promised land, that's not a picture of heaven at all. The Jordan River is not a picture of our death. If you want to sing on Jordan's stormy banks, I stand and cast a wistful eye, you want to do that while you can. But when you really see the Jordan River you'll find out that you've been certainly disappointed in that muddy little stream. It doesn't speak of our death at all. It actually speaks of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you and I cross over out of the wilderness of this world into Canaan. And that's right here and now. The child of God should be living in Canaan. And in Canaan, it's not heaven because when the children of Israel crossed over, there were enemies in the land. There were battles to be fought, and there were victories to be won. And today, we've come to that place of soldier service now, and we see the battle before us. The enemy now is marked out, the soldier's enemy, and he's put before us. Now, when Joshua entered into the land... There were three enemies that are given to us in the book of Joshua. Jericho was standing right in the way. That was the first enemy. And Jericho represents the world. What Jericho was to Joshua, the world is to the Christian today. He was told to march around the city. He'd never fought it. And you can't overcome the world by fighting the world today. You'll make a mistake if you try that method. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And you and I have that enemy, and it's by faith that we'll get the victory in the only way we can over the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. These things are passing away, and the child of God is not to love them. And we are in that world, but we ought to also recognize we should have a Canaan experience. And then there's another enemy that Joshua had, and that was little Ai. Ai represents the flesh. You see, Joshua thought it'd be pretty easy to overcome Ai, and he sent up a small delegation, and believe me, they were really whipped. And they came back, and Joshua got out on his face and began to whimper and cry before God, and God says, Get up off your face, Joshua. Cut out this blubbering in my presence. 
Israel hath sinned. And the problem today with many of us is that, yes, we've got a victory over the world. There are a lot of Christians marching around in Jericho today, tooting a horn like the children of Israel were blowing trumpets, and they're saying, I don't do this, I don't do the other thing. But they sure been whipped by the flesh. They're overcome by a temper. They're overcome by the sin of gossiping, lying. Christian man came to me some time ago, and he said, Why in the world is it that I just continue to lie about everything? Well, the flesh is getting the victory over a lot of us, friends. And Ai represents the flesh. Then that were the Gibeonites. They were clever, sly rascals. They really just lived over the hill from where the children of Israel were. You remember, they deceived Joshua. They took old moldy bread, and they took worn-out shoes, and they made everything look like they had made a long journey, and they came into camp where Joshua was, and they said, Brother, we have heard about you. My, we've heard how God has given you victories in this land, and we want to make a treaty with you. We want to be a friend of you. Oh, my, that's the way the devil approaches us. He deceives us, you see. How deceiving. He makes his ministers angels of light. Somebody said to me concerning one of these leaders of a cult, they said, you know, I listen to that man. My, how attractive he is. How personable he is. Actually, how really wonderful he is. He thrilled me. May I say to you, the devil makes his ministers ministers alike. You think that he's going to knock on your door one day and say, Look, I'm the devil. I'm here to take you in. I'm going to fool you. May I say to you, that's not the way he'll approach you. He will knock on your door and say, I've got some literature for you. Or he'll use other methods to deceive you. He may say, Now, look. I know your church is going liberal, but remember, Grandpa had a pew in the church, and that window up there is named for Grandma. We can't afford to leave this church because we've got so much here. That's what the devil says. God says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And the Lord says it in a nice, sweet way. And the devil, he imitates him. The devil says, oh, so sweetly, we just need you here. Stick around and... That's what happens. My, the devil is so subtle. And the Gibeonites fooled Joshua, and he made a treaty with him. And they were the only ones that got him in trouble. Actually, of course, Ai, he had to confess his sin. He says, Israel hath sinned. That sin had to be dealt with and put away before God would give a victory. That's the way we overcome in the flesh, if we confess our sins. But what about the Gibeonites? My friend, if you're going to line up with them, you're going to find yourself defeated. There's going to be no question about that. Now, will you listen? What can we do? Well, we can't do it ourselves. You and I are no match for the devil. And you and I are not even told to fight him, by the way. He'll carry on the warfare. Now, I'm ready to read verses 10 through 12, and I'm reading from my translation, because right here... Actually, again, I think the devil got in a lick here. Our translators actually watered down the text here. They said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, 
the rulers of the darkness of this world. Well, what in the world is he talking about? Well, he's talking about this spiritual wickedness. Talking about that which is satanic. How will you notice? Verse 10. Finally, Paul says, he's coming now to the end of the epistle. In conclusion, be strengthened in the Lord and in the power of his might. You cannot in your own strength and power overcome the devil. Be strengthened in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, or put on the panoplyon of God in order that you may be able to stand against the stratagems or the methodios of the devil. Paul definitely is making a play upon these two words here. Be strong. Be strengthened in the Lord. That is the thing. That's the only place that you and I need to get power. And we need to recognize that. Now he goes on to say that these enemies that are about us today, they're spiritual enemies. And we need, therefore, spiritual power to overcome them. And we are, therefore, to put on the armor of God. We're going to look at that armor in detail, by the way. It's important to see what it is. Now, only God's armor can withstand the strategy and onslaught of Satan. You see, he has all kinds of weapons today. He has missiles, spiritual missiles. And you have to have an anti-missile system if you're going to overcome it. And that's the only way that you can. And therefore, the Christian soldier, we need to recognize, does not have an enemy to fight who's in the flesh and blood. No man should be our enemy that we're to fight him. The enemy is spiritual, and the warfare is spiritual. And it's well to note here that the flesh of the believer is not the enemy to be fought. The believer is to reckon the flesh dead and to yield to God. And the way of victory over the world, as we've seen, is the only way in the world you can overcome the world through faith. Fighting the old nature will lead to defeat. Paul had that experience in the seventh of Romans. Now, the world is the enemy of the believer, yet the way to victory over the world is not by fighting. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now, the devil is the enemy of every believer, and he has in battle array his minions arranged by rank. And wrestling here speaks of a hand-to-hand encounter with the spiritual forces of wickedness. Now, here is where I say that we do not have as strong as we should have in our translation. Now, listen to this. For our wrestling, verse 12, For our wrestling is not against blood and flesh, but against the principalities, against powers, against the world rulers of this darkness. These are all spiritual. Against the spiritual hosts of evil in the heavenly places. Now, this is the warfare that's going on. And the 
fallen angels of Satan are seen in this conflict that's in heaven. In the book of Daniel, I think we have probably the finest illustration of this in the 10th chapter of the book of Daniel of the fact that there's a spiritual enemy to be overcome. And I want to turn to that, but let me say this before that demonism today, if I'd said this even 10 years ago, which I did say and was certainly questioned at that time, as one dear lady said to me, Dr. McGee, you sound positively spooky. Well, maybe I do, but I'll say it again. And it's this. There is a demonic world around us today, and it's manifesting itself at the present hour. We have a church here in Southern California that's called the Church of Satan. And there are strange things happening today in certain of these weird, way-out groups. man said to me, he says, McGee, this thing is real today. Well, who said it wasn't real? If you're an unbeliever in this area... You ought to get your eyes open and see what's happening about us, how people are being ensnared and led into all of these things. And what we have today are these spiritual forces that are working in the world, and they're evil forces, and they're working against the church. They're working against the believer. They're working against God and against Christ in the world. This idea today that somehow or another, that you and I are a match for this. Now, you can poo-poo it all you want to, but this thing just happens to be true. Now, principalities mean that they're demons that have the oversight of nations. Powers speak of those that are privates. They're demons that want to possess human beings. And then world rulers of this darkness are demons who have charge of Satan's worldly business. And spiritual wickedness in the heavenless are demons who have charge of religion. I think that he has the best organization that there is in the world today. And it's an organization where he is manipulating in this world. And my friend, he's running a great deal of this world today. The heartbreak, the heartache, the suffering, the tragedies, may I say to you, is the work of Satan in the background. And this is the thing that's causing the great problems that are in the world today. Now, let me turn in closing to the thing that I had reference to. Over in Daniel, in the 10th chapter, verses 12 and 13, Daniel was praying a prayer, and he didn't get any answer. He prayed that prayer for three weeks, by the way. He tells us in the beginning of chapter 10, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshaz, and the thing was true. He says, in those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread. In other words, in all of that time, he was in prayer. Then this is what happened. When finally the angel came to him and touched him, verse 11, he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now come. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart 
to understand, to chasten thyself before thy God. Thy words were heard, and I'm come for thy words. Well, Daniel could say, where in the world have you been? Well, listen. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, now that was a demon, withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. He said I had to go back for reinforcement. Now, that's as far as I can go today. But I'm going to pick up there next time. There's a spiritual battle going on. And my friends, when you go to church sleepy, you have to be defeated because that's where he's fighting today. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. The battle is on. The enemy has been located and identified. You can learn more about how you can prepare for combat by downloading Dr. McGee's free digital booklet, How to Stand Against Satan, at ttb.org, or call 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you find it. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll see you next time as the Bible Bus continues exploring the depths of Ephesians. Can't wait to go there with you. Our study today was made possible through your prayer and financial support. We'll meet you back here next time. In fact, we're going to do this together, Lord willing, till Jesus comes again. In which case, we'll meet you in the air.